This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. My name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. And with me, as always, is Maxwell Bogue. Hey, Joris. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm fine. It's kind of a weird day in the world, but yeah, I'm fine. I'm, I'm happy to be talking about additive manufacturing and, and how we can do fun things. Who do we have on the 3D pod today? <laughs> so, yeah, well, we have uh, we have Marcus uh, uh, Siebold on the 3D pod today. So Marcus is, well, he used to work at Siemens Energy uh, and he was leading uh, the Siemens Energy Materials uh, Solutions business. And then Something weird happened. So they, they Siemens Energy, together with a, uh, uh, together with Zeiss, the Precision Metrology slash Optics Group, and a VC fund, t- decided to create something called Makerverse. And Makerverse is essentially a platform for matching orders. And well, he'll explain it. But it's, it's kind of a three D printing service uh, to the world. And that was a very kind of really intriguing move. And uh, so we're really, really excited to have uh, Marcus over here to explain us more about what Makerverse is and, and and why they're doing this and what they hope to do. So welcome to the show, Marcus. Thank you very much, Yuri. Uh, thank you very much, Max. Uh, fantastic to be with you today. So what would you, I mean, I, I think it's really tempting for me. I almost said it in the intro. I was like to say like kind of a European zoometry or kind of like a Shapeways or a Protolab or kind of like a, a company like that. But you guys are, how would you describe yourselves? What, what are you guys actually doing? What is Makerverse actually? I guess there is, of course, now uh, I could go on now for at least three podcast episodes of what we believe we are. But I guess in short, <laughs> we we want to build something and i know that people will immediately find the flaw in my analogy but something like the amazon of industrial additive manufacturing and that has three elements element number one it should be a one-stop shop that means for every industrial user there should be all different technologies material post-processing combinations available so that instead of working with 17 different additive technology companies if you want to you have one partner as a one-stop shop, element number one. Element number two, it should be super easy to use. And my experience over the seven, eight years that I was denied the pleasure of leading the additive manufacturing business at Siemens Energy, all our engineers, they spend a considerable amount of their time, I guess one-third of their time at least, on managing administrative stuff, orders, supplier um, creation in SAP, getting three quotes in order to be able to move forward with one prototype part, then back and forth emails on, did you get that file? No, the person was on vacation. Can you resend, etc. So it should be super easy to use and, and supporting our engineers through digital workflows so that they can actually really focus on what they're really good at. This is building amazing technology, number two. And number three, and this is a bit also our USP and differentiator, because it is to some extent true that you can compare us a bit as the European version of axometry in order to make it easy for people to understand. Um, But um, one of our differentiators is the focus on industrial grade quality. And this is also why having Zeiss as an investor is is really crucial for us. And we just recently earlier this week announced our quality partnership with Zeiss to really bring industrial grade technology to additive manufacturing digital supply chain. So it's the three things. It's a one-stop shop, super easy to use, digital workflows at industrial grade quality. The Amazon of industrial additive. 
So that makes a lot of sense. Now, first of all, I think I think so. Zeiss was was really long term involved in three D printing and uses it internally for a lot of his stuff as well, and also does metrology and also a long term AOS investor as well. You know, and why would it make sense for them to now say, you know what, we're going to like help fund this this platform? But what's the logic for Zeiss? Um, now, it's of course I I am necessarily not speaking on behalf of Zeiss, but no, of course but, yeah. I've been party to some discussions with Zeiss. Yeah, so right. I guess the the Zeiss is actually following a bit two major rationals. On the one hand side, they are as you said, they are a user of additive internally for their production unit and for uh, some of their businesses. And what Zeiss decided and currently is implementing is what they call almost a fabless approach to additive. They mm-hmm. said our core competence is understanding how to design and how to generate performance impacts with additive. Our competence is knowing how to, at the end of the day, ensure industrial grade quality of those parts, but our core competence is not to manufacture additive parts. And it is also not to spend a lot of capex on technologies that eventually over the course of a few years become obsolete. So they are pursuing an, a strategy, which is what they call fabless additive strategy, specifically on the metal side. And so what they want is a reliable partner that can deliver industrial grade quality on different technologies, modalities, and materials. And this is, I guess, a content reason why they are interested in a company like MakerWars, number one. And number two, size, of course, also has the approach of still further developing technologies, and they call that from powder to performance, um, that they have technologies how to characterize powder. They have technologies how to CT scan parts for porosity. They have technology now through the acquisition of GOM um, mm-hmm. on uh, metrology surface uh, uh, roughness measurements. So they also are interested in helping us to really close an end-to-end uh, digital and then physical quality assurance chain that you can then roll out to distributed additive supply chains. And the bigger use behind this is, of course, further support the adoption of additive in an industrial world. I think that's really exciting because Zeiss, I mean, is an insane company, right? Because they make the optics or the EUV systems. Those are the next generation uh, systems that are going to make manufacture all the chips. And they do a lot of other stuff. Like they do the medical device and stuff, but they also do stuff like microscopy and, and metrology and stuff like that. So they could really help you guys, I think, and also really help uh, understand, uh, help you like really make your product better. Because as a customer, they're not going to be very easy. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I guess that, so size fast, it's also important eventually. So the, the two shareholders, Siemens Energy and size, of course, they are also customers to us, obviously. But mm-hmm. honestly, this is not necessarily why Makerverse was founded. Makerverse is a platform company. It should, it should become actually a true ecosystem connector. So size and Siemens Energy are, of course, important to us. But they are definitely not the only customers we focus on. So size uh, is for us at the end of the day. Size will be one of many customers, and size um, will bring its own challenges. But um, as a customer to us, but uh, ideally not the only company behind certain requirements. So then we we really focus on on, on building an additive offering for the world. Size is more important to us actually on the second angle, which is building digitally assured distributed supply chains. Do you have machines or are you a marketplace essentially? We do not have or our both. machines. So one of the one of the core rationals, so the seven years I, I ran additive at Siemens Energy, at, at the end of the day, we focused very much on the high-end stuff at Siemens Energy. We, 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 we focused on metal powder bed fusion and within that field, high temperature materials. So a very, very high-end uh, uh, segment. And 
at Siemens Energy, we believed actually the exact opposite of what we're now doing at Makerverse for very thoughtful reasons. At Siemens Energy, we at the end of the day, um, we had 50 plus metal powder bed fusion machines distributed in our network because for high-end applications, we felt that you need to control manufacturing, design, and materials all at the same time. And we then realized at Siemens Energy is that we got a bit almost, uh, 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 how do you call that, uh, blindfolded Carried for away. other opportunities. We, we, ah. were focusing, we were focusing so much on metal powder infusion. We got so good in it that at the end of the day, there's a German saying, I don't know if that translated into English, when you have a hammer, then, then everything looks like a nail. doesn't matter uh, if it's a screw yeah. or a bolt. Yeah, 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 we have that. We have that. <laughs> and, oh. And and so we looked at everything through the lenses of laser metal powder bed fusion. And mm -hmm. what we then developed as an approach out of Siemens Energy that we, we actually want something like an Amazon of additive where we mm -hmm. could get laser metal powder bed fusion as a second source, new materials, but also binder chatting, SLS, multi-chat fusion, FDM, whatever you, you need as a 90,000 people company out mm -hmm. of a one-stop shop because we wanted to keep administrative effort low and at industrial grade quality. And mm -hmm. then Siemens Energy, we also said, hey, but we don't want to do this captive within Siemens Energy only for ourselves. We want to do this as an industry marketplace. And this is where the strategy happened. No, we don't own the printers. Makerverse is a two-sided platform. There are the customers coming from multiple different industries. And on the other side of the platform, there are the producers. And um, what we basically do, we find for every job that we win from our customers, we find the right production partner. And we then manage that supply chain so that our customers get a true one-stop shop fulfillment experience through Makerverse. Does that mean that you do the customer service? If I have a call, if I have a problem with a part, do I call you? Is that the, how it works? Or? Yes. Yes. So, and, and there will be, of course, as in every customer service department, you have um, a first level and a second level support. First of all, the contractual partner for our customers is Makerverse. And, and we take care of both the logistics of the order, but also the quality side and the commercial side of the order. Mm -hmm. And um, first line of uh, customer service is Makerverse. And then if we might have a rather challenging discussion where you really need to have joint uh, exploration of certain um, uh, technology challenges, then we might also be opening um, and, and establish a connection between the production partner and, and, and the end user. But at the, as a default, Makerverse mm -hmm. is the uh, all-encompassing fulfillment partner, including service to our customers. Like, focus. You said you want to be one-stop shop, but one-stop shop, but only for additive, right? Or not? You don't want to do injection molding or stuff like that. Yeah, it's every business you are on a journey, and the mm. the vision for Makerverse is clearly a one-stop shop for on-demand manufacturing. And we decided to launch Makerverse with three D printing because we felt that this is actually a place where the industry is currently at a point where you see more and more applications. And when you go to trade shows and conferences, you see always the quest for applications, but you see more and more of them. And you see more and more customers asking themselves the questions, do I now invest? Do I partner? Or how do I get my additive parts? And so we said, let's focus on this because we believe we can still create value and also some, uh, I guess, uniqueness. And what we um, will do and already are doing um, is that we will expand into also other on-demand technologies. For instance, there might be parts and designs where you need to make a trade-off between do you print it or do you see and see it? Do I want functional improvement or do I want a cost? And so we are working already on uh, on developing also solutions for our customers in that regard. And then 
second phase could be injection molding, sheet metal, all kinds of different things. So we want to become a one-stop shop, advanced manufacturing, and we start with 3D printing, industrial grade, and we will expand CNC, sheet metal injection molding step by step. And and what kind of like on on the producer side, let's say, what kind of partners are you looking for? If I have an Albiet machine in my garage, is that is that cool? Can I just sign up? <laughs> it it definitely is it's cool, and I guess I could most likely send my son by, and he would be happy yeah. to uh, uh, print this. But joking aside, um, we uh, we also want to be different in a way how we manage our production partners. I currently do not believe that you can deliver industrial grade quality as a number one promise when you do not work with the right production partners. So our supply chain and production partner strategy is focusing very much on premium supply chain right now. We launched the business for now in Europe. It will A second expansion dimension will be, of course, global expansion over time. But when we take the current scope, we focus, with, we focus on premium European additive companies that have been in the industry for 10 plus years that all uh, are generating also sufficient economic uh, business volume so that they can reinvest in the technology and that just know what it takes to produce to industrial grade standards. So we are also very selective um, on our production partner strategy um, in the current phase because I believe that you only can deliver quality when you work with partners that know what it takes to produce quality. Yeah. Is there a process to vet all of these uh, partners? And then how yes, many? Yes, there's a process. There's a, yeah. there's a process. We have a good two hand. Uh, we have a good two dozens of players that we are currently working with on different state of of, of onboarding maturity. And yes, there's a process. It starts, it's the, the usual commercial and legal discussions are part of it. And then there's also a, a, a technical alignment in terms of what type of technologies and materials do you actually offer? Are you interesting for us? And then we have an auditing process, how we onboard partners. And then what we are doing and will continue to expand is, of course, a continuous monitoring of uh, quality and lead times that we are getting over time um, also through our digital platform. And are you going to do like QA for all the parts? Are you going to scan all the parts? Because that, that would be the obvious thing to do. I've been trying to get everybody to do this, by the way. <laughs> I guess there is always, um, I guess, the big question. Yeah, do you now need to do part-by-part uh, -part testing, basically 100% inspection? Do you basically target self-release, et cetera? What we, are, what we are launching now, right now, is, and it will come in a few weeks online into the platform, uh, first of all, out of the quality partnership with Zeiss, we will launch now a good handful of different quality assurance methods and corresponding reports that you can order as part of your online ordering experience. So you order a part, a part number with different quantities. And then as part of the workflow, you can directly specify what type of requirements you have in terms of quality assurance. And then we manage the corresponding uh, supply chain or, 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 or quality assurance partners, and you get also a digital twin, including a report of your of your requirement. Yeah, be that dimensional, be that surface, be that porosity, mm. whatever you what, you what you're looking for. This is one thing. The second thing that mm. um, we are doing, we will we are working, and we call that then controlled quality. And we will mm. work also with size and potentially a few other partners on technologies, how to control the repeatability of the quality we get from our production partners. But we, what mm. we do not necessarily want to do is we do not necessarily want to control and inspect every single part because mm. then I guess neither our cost position nor the cost position of our customers would actually work out at the end. 
Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I still think it like given the variability of, of uh, right now, it, it it makes sense to do a hundred percent inspection. But I'm like, you know, a lone voice in the woods here because everybody thinks I'm, <laughs> it'd be just stupid expensive, uh, and raise the cost of quality to, to beyond what you know we we really want. But and and so the other thing is 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 who do you want to be your customers? Are are we talking like like if I'm like a small to medium business or an inventor, or are you only looking to work for like the Siemens and the Alstoms of this world? Or what's the, what are you looking for for customers? This, this is actually a bit more open uh, versus on the producer side, I told you, we are actually focusing rather on the premium partners for now. On the customers, it depends more on your type of requirements. I guess a very obvious need in the industry that is around forever and that will also always stay forever is the classical topic of prototyping that is a very on-demand nature um, so this can be um, had conversations at the additive manufacturing forum in berlin over the past two days with people that work in technology departments sometimes even research departments at smaller businesses larger businesses actually even sometimes public funded projects and they need design verification prototypes doesn't matter how big the company is, you need a part, uh, you want to try different designs. So this could be a classical use case. Um, another use case could be industrial engineers at companies that are preparing for production ramp ups. And then you might need toolings, chicks and fixtures, and everything is on demand because uh, development cycles always get longer and uh, SOPs, start of production dates, never never are moved. So your time in on industrial engineering is always getting shorter. Another requirement could mm -hmm. be um, that you are a, a center of competence manager at uh, a, a large medium-sized business, a medium to large-sized business, and you want to explore different additive technologies before you take a decision on where you want to take this technology for your company. And then, of course, at the end of the day, there is spare parts on demand, where you're talking then about repeatable qualities also for large accounts. So I guess the message is we are targeting industrial customers. We are not only trying to offer services to the large accounts. I believe that actually even the mid-sized companies, even sometimes SMEs, might be benefiting even more from something like a one-stop shop because they don't have the financial resources behind uh, uh, sometimes some of these investments. But our core is more type of applications and industrial requirements. So we currently do not necessarily focus consumers or even prosumers because I believe this would require a whole different model of supply chain. And then I guess we wouldn't be delivering uh, price points that would make sense commercially okay and 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 what is what is it like if we're looking at this from a from a perspective like okay why do you want to succeed i mean is it that you don't think you can get repeatable quality for a good price or you think that there's a, a mismatch between like the, what the market can offer and what people are getting or what's the core logic for customers to choose you and to choose you again and again there's a few, uh, I guess I would call this eventually buying criteria. Why would you buy from makeovers? Why would you buy from a business like makeovers? I think number one, there is a question of, I guess we there's there's a couple of challenges that currently hinder the adoption of additive. And, and one of them is finding the right application. And there is, of course, a lot of educational aspects like designing for the process. There's a lot of commercial aspects like finding the right business case. But there's also a question of testing and verifying different designs rather quickly so that you can prove that certain approaches actually work. And I guess one buying criteria we see is that you might need something super quick. And actually, you want to know at the point of when you need something, you want to know a price point, a lead time. 
and you just want to order really quickly because you need something really quick. This is one use case. Another use case why I think a company like Makerverse can be successful is the technology risk. If you and you are doing this uh, like for the hundreds and something time now, this the 3D pot here, there's uh, literally speaking, there's every week a new technology. There's every week a new material, a new machine. And sometimes it is super hard to just keep up and even for big companies, decide which technologies, which machines, which materials to investigate. And if you do this with your classical approach, then you need multiple different partners for this. It is an SAP process every single time. It is manual, offline, emails, back and forth. And if you have a digital one-stop-shop interface, you only have one SAP transaction. You have one interface, company-wide accessible. So I believe it's also easy sometimes to work in the on-demand arena. And and then the third element is most likely the most challenging one is once you have an application and once you have the technology, then you need to repeat it. You need to produce it in repeatable quality. And um, this, I guess, where a company like Makerverse can then also help you there because we have this, this partnership that we are going on about now with size and other quality companies step by step in order to really bring industrial quality. So I think it's those three things. It's um, mm-hmm. very quick um, getting industrial grade parts to drive project mm-hmm. it's the technology obsolescence risk and the capex risk is mitigated and it's you get mm-hmm. uh, assured quality in uh, competitive mm-hmm. lead times and cost i think there's an additional one i like them but i think there's an additional one and this is the fact that if you're new to additive a lot of people try to buy a machine first now first off you know given this crowded landscape as you, you pointed out that's going to be increasingly difficult as well uh if you know nothing you know buying a machine is also going to be extra challenging i think buying the right one and a lot of people you know in my opinion i always see clients that far too early in their process buy machines uh and that means you're stuck to a particular well sometimes even you're stuck to a particular powder or metal or or material and you're definitely stuck to a particular machine who's particularly good at one particular thing and what we know is that depending on the geometry or the types of parts you print or how often you you might another machine might be the best for you so i think it it does it could actually lead lead to companies you know being able to much faster adopt additive and get to the right solution even if they're going in-house afterwards by by accelerating their adoption I actually, yes, that's actually also, I, I guess I we, uh, realizing while I listen, I guess we always subsumized it under my, my second point, this whole topic of technology choice, but specifically the topic, if you're very new, then you don't need to actually worry about taking this decision early on. You can just observe for a while and try out. That is another uh, definite point uh, where I would think we would offer value. I, I, I agree with that. It's a, It's a very okay. good point. Okay, but and then the other thing is, you keep mentioning Europe. Does that mean that you guys are starting out in Europe, or are you like really European? Starting out in Europe. No, this is starting out in Europe. Starting out. I said this earlier, and at some point you need to, even though you are a platform company, you still have a lot of physical world processes behind it. Yeah, logistics, production Mm -hmm. partners, customs. Um, Also, at the beginning, you even though it's a digital platform business, you work a lot with your customers, and as a as a company, we said we will focus on Europe first. And there is basically two routes of, there's three routes of expansion. Number one is we will broaden the technologies offered on a platform. We spoke about this earlier, CNC, sheet metal injection molding. Number two is geographic expansion over time. And number three is also we will, we want to be an ecosystem at the end of the day. And an ecosystem means you need to offer additional services, such as uh, part scanning in your BOM, such as design support very early on. 
or such as um, connect to other engineering um, engineering systems. So we will also work on connecting Makerverse to uh, a subsequent services so that we truly become a connector in 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 the industry. And if you, I like the analogy with Amazon because it's easy to understand, even though there is a few content differences, but the Amazon core transaction is, was sending books better and fast and more reliable than others. And then they build a whole ecosystem around it. And I guess that is a little bit similar what my vision is for Makerverse. We, we make and send additive parts more competitive and higher and, and better quality and lead times than others. And then we build a whole ecosystem around this. Do you think that the ecosystem aspect is what's going to keep people coming back to the system rather than someone finding someone that they like and then saying, ah, why would I go through you? Now I found this, this person. I'll just go directly to them in the future. So I believe at the end of the day, it's, it's the famous buzzword value. And, um, and then people will come back. And one value that you offer is that you reliably deliver parts. If you, if you don't fulfill that promise, most likely people won't come back to you if you have even a great ecosystem around it. But if you, if you prove that you can reliably deliver additive parts, and if you then can help customers on, for instance, design automation tools that mm-hmm. they, they, they can get more applications internally and then can get them produced, in your case, you add value. If you can help customers uh, bomb screening their parts and then help them produce them, you add value. So I believe there is a core transaction and then there will be services around the core transaction that will add additional value. But what needs to be in place is a core transaction that adds value itself. And then customers will also be coming back because of your additional services. Then, then this is a question I asked like a bunch of people in the same business as well. I mean, I think if I'm a service bureau and I'm good, right, then I have my own customers. Now, normally my customers are just regional, right? Or in the service bureau world, there's, there's very few companies that are actually international. Like you normally get, so the addition here, or the it's tempting, I think, to say, ah, oh, wait, my machines are empty part of the day, right? I only get customers in you know the Munich area, whatever, right? And now I can get customers as far as uh, wide as Italy. But am I not also? Isn't there like a kind of platform dependency where I become really dependent on you? You know, where you know, if if at one point you want to squeeze me, for example, I have nowhere to go in a couple of years because I can't say no. Isn't isn't there like a, a locked in dependency there, like a, an agency dilemma essentially? So I basically believe that my value argument applies also on the producers, and so. I guess I see a, a couple of different value arguments. I guess at the at the inner onion shell core, one of the values you add as a platform company is you are an additional revenue channel that you as a supplier can decide on according to your own capacity utilization. If you're full, 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 you just don't bid on the platform's volume. If you want certain machines with certain materials, if you, if you can uh, support a bit your fixed cost situation by additional volume, you just bid. So it's a very tactical view. I believe, secondly, that a platform can help service bureaus try to understand new markets and applications at very low own business development cost because you're actually bringing potentially new applications and new markets to them. You as a service bureau develop capabilities um, step-by-step, which potentially you can later on offer down the road as a standalone offering. And then you become actually a competitor to your platform customer. So I believe in this whole topic of co-opetition. Yeah, it's competition and cooperation at the same time. And mm-hmm. thirdly, I believe we can add value to the service providers 
by focusing also strongly on the application engineering side ourselves as Makerverse through our own engineering team so that whatever we put out to our supply chain ideally has already seen a level of scrutiny in terms of manufacturability. So you also get new business at lower engineering cost. And then mm -hmm. I believe the agency dilemma is actually rather a benefit because you as a service provider will continue to have customers that want to work with you directly on industrializing this one part that will go into serial production and the project takes nine months until the aerospace company has qualified you potentially. And in mm -hmm. addition, you can uh, benefit from those three factors I described from a platform business and it helps you just to run your business better on, on commercial terms. So I believe in coexistence uh, for the service providers on this one. And do you think that, that a lot of people are going to, because I, I remember at one point, a lot of service people were, uh, people were really worried that, you know, the service bureaus are now going to be used and then everybody's going to buy their own machines, right? And and to a certain extent, this happened. But and do you think people are going to go in the, go into your platform and transition, you know, to, to having their own machines? Or do you think, you know, you're going to make it so happy for them, you are going to be the additive partner forever? Like, like, like they're never going to buy machines. I believe there will be always both. And if I look at also the, the reason I paused for a second is the, in, in my past responsibility at Siemens Energy, we had taken the decision of really investing ourselves in the machines. And mm -hmm. there were other market players that went down different routes that wanted to become intelligent users so they could become intelligent buyers, for instance. Mm -hmm. And I believe there is no single one strategy. And yes, I am aware that some of the customers that want to come on the platform today might then take a decision to buy a machine and take some of the work into in-house uh, production. But I believe at the end, this will all help to make this industry grow and will help to make better machines so more people will use it so new people will come on the platform. So I'm not really worried about making customers captive, to be honest. I believe it's, if we, and I really, I fundamentally believe that if, if we help to grow this this, this cake and make the pie bigger, other new customers will come where some current customers might tomorrow actually become users on their own. And this is fine. And they still might mm -hmm. use us. This is what we see currently from some of our customers. They have invested themselves where they run their high volume parts and they look to us currently for some of the service on demand parts and or materials so they they go a dual strategy which is also fine for us because we are a multi-customer multi-supplier platform business and the okay. platform's up and running a person can go to your website right now and yes make an order yes 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 <laughs> and we are continuously working on uh expanding the technology scope just over the recent two weeks a bit leading up to the additive manufacturing forum in berlin we added now multi-chat fusion and fdm to the platform. We will add in a few weeks time the whole quality offering with size. We will add uh, CNC down the road. We will continuously expand the materials and we will also uh, continuously further develop the functionalities on the platform. So it's it's a never ending story. Yeah? It will go on. But yes, the core transaction is up and running. You can request an account and you can transact with Makerverse today. Okay, that's cool. And and uh, one thing I'm really interested in is is your own background at Siemens Energy, which which by the way is not a part of Siemens, right? That's like a nope. Uh, it was uh, a part a separate, of Siemens many many years. Yeah. It was carved out one uh, and a half years ago. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I, I find that uh, I found that out three weeks ago or something. Really serious. Somebody's like, what? <laughs> I did not know that. I'm like, uh. <laughs> so so that's why I just I thought I'd mention. I wasn't trying to be pedantic. I was trying to be like, oh my god. Uh, but and but I, what I really love about Siemens en uh, Energy is they have. 
that's the part where they have this giant factory in the middle of like Sweden, right? Nowhere, right? Uh, <laughs> is it's that the center largest? of the additive universe in Siemens Energy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where where is it? Where is it, Mark? <laughs> so so what we've done at Siemens Energy, and this is like it, it's a ninety thousand people company, and Siemens Energy yeah. has a few centers of gravity around additive. There is mm -hmm. one in Sweden. It's three hours uh, west of Stockholm. And it's a traditional. Trees, um, trees. It's it's, yeah, yeah. And 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 they've got I guess currently seventeen, eighteen machines in Sweden, and they produce additive parts, high temp metal parts for our oil and gas uh, and mm -hmm. industrial gas turbine business. Then we have yeah. acquired Material Solutions in the UK in mm -hmm. two thousand and seventeen, and Material Solutions is basically our um, core focus for the larger gas turbines and. Yeah the entire third-party business. So we also serve aerospace, automotive, etc., uh, through material solutions at Siemens Energy. And then there is technology development sites in Berlin and Orlando. And it's basically four major footprints. Mm -hmm. It's the two mm -hmm. sites in material solutions in Finsbong that do production. And it's mm -hmm. Berlin and Orlando that do application technology. This is how Siemens Energy uh, is running additive mm -hmm. in a footprint. Okay, okay. And it's 50 I think it's plus really, machines, meanwhile. Yeah, 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 I think it's it's really exciting. Because also, well, there's there's not a lot of people, there's people that have that kind of machines, but there's not that many, or metal machines. Like, there's a dental company, uh, there's like, a, you know, there's a couple of big service bros that have that kind of install, but, but not a lot of those are working on that many, uh, like these super alloys and these high temperature materials, right? Because uh, Siemens Energy makes, well, turbines, right? And turbines and also, and, uh, also like heat pumps and stuff like that. And uh, so you guys really need these these uh, high temperature materials, right? And this is what I said a, a, a little bit earlier that I think Siemens Energy over the past years has gotten really really good in metal powder bed fusion high temperature materials. What happened is that the potential of additive is so much broader, even for a company like Siemens Energy. It's not only gas turbines. There is wind turbines. There is uh, compressors. There is sometimes actually even uh, steel applications, there's new energy businesses like hydrogen, um, like fuel cells, etc. And, and Siemens Energy was very much focused on those high temperature applications. And Makerverse is now basically the second leg of, added, of Siemens Energy's additive strategy, where the core business runs zero production for metal powder bit fusion in really high end requirements. And then Makerverse is meant to be new technologies, new materials, on demand parts, explore learn and then actually even um less ip sensitive spare parts on demand for instance this is a bit that, that it's a dual strategy that siemens energy is now running okay, okay. this is very interesting and then it, it then in that case it's also similar to amazon but not like the amazon the book part but maybe the more of the aws part right where you're taking something that's a call center and you're kind of like making it work for you essentially I guess the difference, I guess, would be that AWS is then at the end of the day owned by Amazon. This is different to Makerverse. Siemens Energy is one of many investors, so Makerverse is an independent company. But it is, mm -hmm. it is, if you, if it is similar from a, from a, I guess that's what I meant with an ecosystem. Yeah, you, you, yeah. There's one core business which is selling stuff versus which is making high temperature parts, and then there is AWS or Makerverse as something that emerged from your core and is now turning into a new um, into a new PNL into a new business with a difference mm -hmm. that Makerverse is a minority investment of Siemens Energy and not controlled by Siemens Energy. So and, can and, I and, can I print parts off the Siemens machines <laughs> using There's no uh, Siemens Energy machines? Yeah, yeah, Siemens, yeah. Energy, Siemens Energy obviously is one of our production partners and can, it, it can happen. So 
that when you order that we might source this part at Siemens Energy or Material Solutions. This can happen, yes. Dude, I can tell you how to get parts printed by Airbus. <laughs> you can do that too, you know. Um, but um, so this is interesting, but where do you hope to be with this in five years from now? Where do you hope to kind of work towards? What would you hope to achieve like five years uh, from now? So I guess there's a lot of quantitative targets that we've been discussing back and forth with the investors, and I want to spare ourselves those discussions for today. Um, but um, I guess what I want to be in terms of, of a vision, I would like to see Makerverse be the number one connector in an industrial world when it comes to advanced manufacturing. And what I mean by this is that you are a small, medium company, you are a Deutsche Mittelstand, you are an OEM, you are a procurement engineer, you are an engineer that runs a development project, whatever you need, if it's advanced manufacturing, you basically get this from your ecosystem makerverse and it helps you identify the potentials of the technology it helps you execute transactions and it helps you also to understand how you can uh, meet your requirements and on the production side on the producer side i would like to see this as a really fruitful coexistence where our production partners see that they get value from us and at the same time they strive to become profitable businesses on their own and I guess it's a bit of a eventually placative uh, statement, but whenever a person thinks industrial advanced manufacturing part, then they think makeovers. And this is why I would like to be in five years and this on a global scale. Okay, okay. well, uh, get cracking then, Marcus. Uh, thank you so much for, for your time today. Thank you for, for telling us uh, everything about what you guys are doing and what you guys are planning. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, thank you also for the uh, the good and uh, the, the the challenging questions. It's always good to also reflect a little bit on what you've been doing, and I've also taken a few um, impulses. So thank you very much, and thank you very much for having me. And uh, Max, thank you for being here as well. No, always fascinating. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, this is another episode of the Three D Pod. Have a great day. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint.com.